This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Lior Barak, book author, the host of What the Data podcast. Lior, welcome to the PSFOS podcast. Hi, Art. I'm happy to be here. How are you? Doing great. Awesome. Okay, so we are recording this episode on the same day. Well, in fact, just a few hours before, Apple will be holding another event this year to possibly release iPhone 12, given an update on the macOS Big Star release and stuff we have no clue about right now. We will see in a few hours. For the last 12 years, Apple has been building a huge mobile ecosystem with millions of app developers that have built about 2 million apps for iOS. And I'm sure you know the numbers for the Android side. Now, if you think about it, what allows all those developers to build successful app businesses? It is about data for their apps performance on the market. Data runs the world. Any decision in economics, science, politics is driven by data, or at least it should be. Mobile apps are in the same camp. So the theme for our today's conversation is what app publishers need to know about data today. And we have Lior to tell us about it. But let's talk about you, Lior, first. Um, tell us about yourself a little bit, a bit of your background in data science. So I am with data for the past 10 years, uh, even longer than that. Uh, I started with the days before we even knew what is mobile. We had just web apps and we started to do some data science to actually understand how users uh, using our website, what are they interested in and how we can actually promote our products better. And as I progressed, I moved towards mobile around six years ago. And then in my career, I was working for Lavu, uh, which is the social dating app. Then I moved to Zalando, worked there. And today I'm working for Tell About Data. It's my own company, which basically focuses on helping organizations uh, to make sense of their data and mm-hmm. be a little bit more relaxed when they're using the data, because I think that this is our biggest problem as we going forward in this industry. Yeah, so uh, I know you've published a book recently. Can you tell us about the book a little bit and uh, just a little bit more about your podcast? So in my book, I was basically talking about uh, data is like a pair of hummus, which is uh, very similar to the idea of of making hummus with your data. Nice. Uh, Yeah, because if you think about it, we have so much data out there that we're collecting and storing. But the reality is that we cannot make sense of all of it. We need to pick our five ingredients or four ingredients and run with them. And this is exactly, this book is talking about the technical part of how you actually can create your data strategy. So what the tools that you need to have. And in the book, basically, I'm very focused on taking your data and making hummus out of it. So it's a tasty dish Mm -hmm. that you can eat. And you're going to enjoy it. And I think that this is the most important part. And in the podcast, basically, I am also talking mostly about data uh, with my partner, Mitch. And we have different guests. And we're taking the aspects of e-privacy, of machine learning, 
of fake AI, as I call it, because AI doesn't really exist in, in the world as we live it today. Anybody who says that he's doing AI is a little bit uh, tricking it. And we're trying to break as many bubbles as possible and make people angry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice strategy to have, for sure. Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree. AI is still in the books uh, in, science, in science fiction, for the most part. It's conceptual, we kind of hear, but not in the shape and form where, you know, think about AI if you read any Isaac Asimov novel. We're not there by any stretch. So, first of all, let's um, address the elephant in the room, or as you would say, 65 million years ago, dinosaur in the room. <laughs> what do you think about upcoming IRIS-14 IDFA policy changes? To be honest, A, I'm very happy. I'm disappointed, but I'm happy. I am happy that Apple are the first one to actually take the step and not some governmental that forcing the, some government that forcing them to do it. On the other side, I'm very disappointed because of the reaction of the industry. And I think that we in the mobile industry acted like our golden egg got stolen and we cannot find a replacement. While the reality is that we relying too much on third parties to do the job for us. And finally, Apple came and says like, guys, you cannot trust only on third parties. You will need to start actually doing stuff on your own. But... The reality is also that we are just all tools in a game of Facebook, Apple, and Google, and they're going to do with us whatever they want. All the time, they are managing the assortment of the users. So all the time they're owning it, we still need to bow to them, and we cannot fight. We just need to find works around. Yeah, it's pretty interesting to see the reaction, the Facebook's reaction. Well, it was kind of uh, obvious, given the specifics of this change, like what the reaction would be. But still, it's just, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting timing. I think, uh, like, probably, it's hard to say that at, at what point we'll be able to say why exactly now Apple decided to come up with, you know, this update. Was it just, you know, technical considerations because they haven't, didn't have the, you know, the old system in place before or, I don't know, what things have to had to come in place for them to release it right now? Or the pressure Actually, overall in terms of, you know, um, privacy uh, concerns that have been raising for years now. Well, what, what do you think was the like a background for the decision? I think that the background is coming from two main things. The first one is the Facebook-Apple war on the packet of the advertiser. At the end of the day, we're spending millions of billions of euros or dollars on Facebook advertisement while Apple don't see much of the share out of it. And they started to see how not only that, some app publishers starting to charge money externally from Apple. Mm -hmm. That means that Apple not earning enough. That's, that's, I think, one point for that. But again, it's just an assumption. The second part, I think, is coming from the changes in the e-privacy laws that the European Parliament trying to pass, which would have done it anyway. And I think that it got pushed already several times. It was supposed to get released this year. It didn't happen, but Apple decided to basically do it before everybody else, and they decided to do it in their interest and in their own game, which I think this is the important part here. Yeah, you would think that Apple has been the champion on the privacy side for years now and uh, have been very clear that 
they're not in the advertising business per se. They're selling hardware and they are in the business of making people who are buying this hardware happy and safe. So yeah, this is um, logically the next step. And um, yeah, probably it's just the time when they actually manage to pull off everything that needs to be done to release it now. Okay, moving on, let's talk about data in general. So if you are teaching a course in university about data for app publishers, what would you tell them in the first lecture? How would you describe the importance of data in app business? So I will start with two parts here. I will tell them, first of all, that they are the one that uh, serving the user and not the user is serving them, which is, I think, a big mistake of a lot of uh, app publishers that they think that the user is serving them and they trying to force him into processes that he's not fitting into, or they're acquiring users that not really fitting for what they're offering. So they're selling them one store and they give them something else. And the second thing is that with using data, with understanding your user, you will be able to actually give them much better product, much better features. And instead of focusing on your revenues, and this I know it's a new trend now, everybody talks about ROIs and ROWs and whatever out there of revenue and return of investment. Actually, what you need to focus on is how your features are being used, how good the users are fitting for these features. And with the data, you will be able to see exactly how your users are interacting with your app. And I think that this is something that every app publisher needs to know. And this will be how I will open my lecture. All right, speaking of ROI, it is one of the, probably the most famous KPIs that map publishers are being focused on recently. So KPIs in general, uh, how do you define what KPIs should be measured and track over time? Because like we've said, there are many. And probably, as I see, there is no point to measure and track them all to make a particular business successful. Is there any kind of a broad formula, what kind of KPIs should be tracked? Or it's every time, you know, app by app case, you should make a decision on which ones to track, um, given what what app is uh, what app is about, like the category, uh, the specifics. So what do you factor in to decide? So I'm working with a lot of app publishers. And one thing that I learned about KPI is that there is no one fit to them all. So if somebody's KPI is working for him, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work for somebody else, not even his competition on the same scale. So uh, I see KPIs as something that needs to be very tailored for your needs. And they also need to be changed every six to 12 months. Depends on your business, depends on the growth. I know that a lot of organizations at the beginning thinking about using installs or mouse or DAOs uh, as an indicator for their success and then measure CPI or ROI, for example, for uh, spending and return on investment. But the reality is that, again, if, we, if we're looking at it, I think that the one KPI that everybody needs to look at, it's what I call dynamic KPIs, which are a machine learning algorithm that actually learns the users and creating segmentation out of them. So we're creating some kind of a ranking uh, on which features are used more and less, uh, which users are using what and where they're coming from and where they're going to. 
And I think that this is something that should be the next trend when we're looking at, at KPIs in the future. So essentially you're but, saying it just comes down to what actually you're getting from your app users. Like you may plan anything in advance, but essentially people who are using the app kind of dictating what results you're getting and your KPIs should be built around it, right? Exactly. So if you think about it, if you need to optimize a campaign, you should optimize it based on the user's quality that you bring in. So what is the user's, user's quality or score that basically he produced when he arrived? And based on it, you need to make the decision if you optimize your campaign or not. Uh, when we're looking at a lot of these installs or mouse, I'm asking always one question to, to the people who are using them. What action will you drive if you're going to see that your insoles or your mouse are going down or they're going up? What is the learning you're getting out of it? And this is something that really, if you think about it, there is no action that stands behind these two KPIs. Even CPI, this is something that is out of your control, right? Because at the end of the day, you're giving budget to Facebook or Google or mm -hmm. Liftoff or whoever third party. But you don't really have a control of what happened in the black box behind it. The only control you have is on the experience that you're delivering to the users on your platform. Right, exactly. So this is the part that, that you're really controlling and you, you have a bunch of levers uh, you can pull and uh, change experience and optimize it and make it better for people who are using your app. Exactly. Now, today it's hard to imagine that there's just a one app developer behind the app project. Uh, those times are gone. And so is the team. So do you believe there's got to be a single person in the team who is responsible for app data collection or it's a collective effort and everybody should be involved? This is a complicated question. So when I'm talking it, about it in my book, uh, I'm mentioning that you need to do a, basically a report that goes to every level in the organization from the managing board all the way to the junior employee that just joined the company so he can understand what are working well and what not working good. When I'm doing my workshops with my clients, I'm many times I'm, I'm trying to create basically two dashboards, one for the acquisition part and one for the retention part. And I think that also when we're looking at the team members, so there should be one person who collecting the data and processing it and storing it. And from this moment, it's breaking down into the team that's responsible for intention and the team that's responsible for acquisition to actually take the data and work with it. And it should be only one person who collecting it. I don't see how marketeers or how app developers in general collecting data in CSV files and starting to working and do VLOOKUPs. Just a small reminder, a couple of uh, weeks ago, there was this incident with the uh, British government that were losing a lot of COVID patients because of a wrong uh, VLOOKUP. <laughs> and I think that th that's, a, that's an important learning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, so now, speaking of mistakes, uh, what would you suggest to a net project team lead uh, who knew that the app collecting was important and he believed for, for a while that he was on the top of the game. But suddenly by analyzing the data, like the big picture, he is realizing that he wasn't, it doesn't go well. And uh, like, there got to be some, some mistakes were made, but the, what would you suggest to that team lead to do at that point, how to unravel this problem? 
I will first suggest to him to read uh, Wabi Sabi and learn about this sentence and what does it mean. Sorry, the words, the two words. Uh, I think that uh, we need to accept the reality as it is. And the sooner we actually accept in the reality and accepting the mistakes we've done, we'll be able to fix it. And the only way to do it is by actually collecting data and uh, making sure that it's, it's, it's stored in the right places and it's processed in the right way. And it's also accepted as the reality. Uh, and this is something that he needs to he needs to look at, and he needs to to learn a little bit how to get out of of the I am on the top. And actually, mm -hmm. don't think about I'm on the top of things, but actually, what am I missing, or what don't, don't I see right now about my users? And yeah, sure. This is this is an attitude I think that every app project lead or or anybody who's working in the app industry needs to learn, and it's really important that we focus on this stuff. We focus on what we are missing and not what we, we have in front of our eyes. It's not only the wins, it's also the losses. Exactly, that's, that's a wise approach. All right, now we're in this uh, section of the show where I'm asking just a few quick questions to my guests to give a kind of a better picture of who they are to the audience. So question number one, are you on iOS or Android side? Android, definitely. All right. Do you remember your first mobile phone? Oh, yeah, but then, then everybody will know I'm so old. <laughs> Come on. It's That's the okay. Nokia 5100. It was the first Nokias that came out to the market, I think. So that's fine. It's still 20th century. It's not 19th century or 18th. <laughs> That's okay. What is your favorite app now? I'm, I'm using a lot of Vivino. I'm saying it in many uh, conferences that I think they what they're doing is an amazing. It's a wine app to the ones who don't know Vivino. Uh, mm -hmm. And you can basically scan the, uh, the bottle. It gives you reviews about it, information where it's coming from, uh, how you can pair it. And I think that they're doing an amazing job also now by moving into an e-commerce platform, which for me, it's an amazing thing that I can actually buy the bottles afterwards as well. All right, so got you. Let's uh, just take a quick look uh, into the future. Uh, what are new app technologies are you most excited about? Uh, probably there's something in, on the Android side that is coming, or probably it's not even a horizon, but you would like to have on your smartphone something in the you know hardware side and on the software side, probably on both. So uh, I think that. Uh creating holograms will be the most awesome things that we can do with our phones. And I hope it's going to arrive at some point. I saw that some Chinese manufacturers already working on, on something similar to that. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm really a fan of Star Wars and they have this uh, episode where there is the holograms. Uh -huh. <laughs> yes, yes. That's what I want to record, you know, a message to my kids in 15 years from now to talk about me. <laughs> Yeah, that's a nice way to live, <laughs> to live your uh, inheritance to your grandchildren. <laughs> um, okay, so actually that was my, my last question. But before I let you go, how can people know more about what you do and get in touch with you? 
So they can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Lior Barak. Uh, they can, uh, on Twitter, Lior B. I'm tweeting a lot in Hebrew, unfortunately, but I'm also tweeting in English from time to time when I'm sharing okay. information. Uh, and I think that this is the main channels. And they can also come to tellaboutdata.com and reach out through our website uh, if they wish to. Terrific. Uh, thanks a lot for your time and coming on our, on our podcast, Lior. Thank you. Thank you very much for hosting me. It's been Bye -bye. a pleasure. Bye. And that was Lior Barak, book author, the host of What the Data podcast. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. Once you subscribe, you will be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review and comment. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. See you next week. Bye. This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data, and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.